Sean, Pastor Joey, Pastor Randy, thank you for letting me be in your pulpit this morning. Get your Bible out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 14 to 30. And, um, and so I got to meet with Pastor Joey this week. We had some coffee, and I asked him how his preaching was going, and he said, man, I, you know what? I've only been preaching like 30 or 35 minutes. And uh, I called him a name at that point. I said, you're a jerk, uh, because I'm not going to preach for 30 or 35 minutes, all right? I did call you a name, didn't I? I did. So, um, and for all the years I've been preaching, I wish I could preach that long, and it just doesn't seem to get there. So I'm going to do my best, all right? So get, get your uh, Bibles out. Get your note sheet out. Uh, you can take some notes with me, and uh, it was great worshiping with you all. Uh, I was reflecting on our trip to Thailand, Jen, as I was watching you lead worship and looking over at Laura, and I was thinking, man, no Jesus gangsters today here at Coastal Deer Park, and they know what I'm talking about, and I'm sure you can find it on Facebook. So, man, it was great to worship here. Uh, I want to jump in this morning. We're doing in the middle of a series called One Mission, and uh, we have been looking at some of the parables of Christ where uh, he starts the parable with, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this, right? And so uh, the kingdom of heaven invades our hearts when we become followers of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when we gather together corporately as a church, uh, the Spirit of God is in us and is with us. And therefore, my thinking is our churches should reflect the kingdom of heaven. There should be a little bit of heaven come to earth, a little touch of heaven uh, here on earth. And so uh, and so this is what the kingdom of heaven should look like. And so this morning we're talking about kingdom stewardship. And, and I know Pastor Joey has been teaching you this, that these parables um, are little stories of Christ that are memorable and they teach us spiritual principles and spiritual truths. I do think we have to be careful not to push them too far, uh, but rather glean the main spiritual truths and points that, that Christ is making. So this morning we're talking about stewardship. I... Uh, if I wasn't a pastor, I would probably be a financial planner. I actually love finances. I love the power of compounding interest. I love the stock market. I remember in 2000, it was either 2004, 2005, I was sitting in front of my computer on a Friday about midday. And uh, I pulled up my brokerage account, and I was watching this brand new company that had just IPOs. So if you don't know what an IPO is, it stands for Initial Public Offering. It's your opportunity, it's the public's opportunity to buy in to a company that you might believe in. You can buy stock in the company. And this was a brand new company. And the stock price was really high. It started out that day at about... Uh, 85 to 90 bucks a share. It went up to $100 a share. And I sat there in front of my brokerage account. I was like, there is no way that I'm spending that much money on this brand new company. Had I taken $10,000 that day and invested in this company, as of a couple weeks ago, now the market has dropped, but a couple weeks ago, my $10,000 investment would have been worth $140,000. Can you imagine? If only I had invested in Google that day, all right? And uh, I did something similar with Facebook when Facebook was running about $18 a share. And I thought, well, this company's never going to make money and watched it go to $220 a share recently. Missed opportunities. I want to encourage you to think of your life as an opportunity. 
God has given your life, your time here on earth, an opportunity to invest in the things of the kingdom. And I really believe that's what Jesus is talking to us about in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. And yeah, many of you are familiar with this passage. It's the, it's the parable of the talents, right? And I'll go, we're going to go through the scriptures in just a moment. But to give you an overview, the story that Jesus tells is a master who goes away and he calls his servants and he divvies up his resources to the servants, right? One uh, in, the, in the form of a talent. And a talent would be about a 20 20 years worth of wealth. And to one, one servant, he gives five talents, and to another, he gives two, and to another, he gives one. And you guys know the story probably, right? The person with five talents, the servant with five talents doubles the talent. So when the master returns, he returns tenfold talent. And the person with two talents, when he returns, uh, when the master returns, he gives them four talents. But there was one servant who had one talent, and out of fear, he buries it in the ground. And really, some of the harshest words of the New Testament are, are reserved for the, for the steward that buried his talent and, and didn't do anything with it to serve the Lord. And so, this is our parable this morning, and I want to pull out a few points, and, and I want to encourage you to take notes. By the way, this prepares you for your small group. If you're not in a small group, not too late. Love for you to be in a small group. All right, so let's take some notes. A couple points I want to pull out of the parable of the steward and parable of the talent, all right? Number one, I want to talk about the Lord of the gift, all right? The Lord of the gift. The idea being here that, that everything that we have is a gift from the Lord. Everything about your life is a gift from the Lord. Matthew 25, Jesus says this, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. Everything that you have in your life is a gift from the Lord. We just sang about that, right? The breath in our lungs, marvelous light, is a gift from the Lord. Your life, your money, your time, your abilities, your children, your suffering, your difficulties, your possessions, your car, your home... Your, everything that you have in your life is from the Lord, and therefore we hold it loosely. It's not ours, right? I often have people say that to me as the pastor of Coastal Community Church. I'm, I'm coming to your church. I hear that all the time. I'm coming into your office. I'm like, actually, it doesn't belong to me, right? I, I steward the church for a season, however long the Lord allows me to be the pastor, but, but it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. Your house, it actually is the Lord's house. Your car, your money, it all belongs to the Lord. Your ability, the difficulty that you're going through is all opportunities to steward your life for the glory of God and the fame of Christ, and nothing that we have ultimately belongs to us. It is the Lord of the gift. God has gifted you with everything that you have, amen? And so therefore, we hold it loosely. And we can give it as unto the Lord as an offering. Lord, this is yours. It's you have given it to me. I want to steward it as unto you, okay? And so, number two, 
It's our responsibility to steward God's gifts to us. So if God has gifted it, God expects us to steward what he has gifted to us. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 16. He, Jesus says, and he's telling a story, he who received the five talents went out at once and traded with them, and he, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent, here's what he did. He went and he dug in the ground and he hid the master's money. All right? So now let me encourage us with four things that we steward, all right, that we, I really believe, will stand before the Lord and we'll, there will be an accounting of the stewardship of our lives, of the things that the Lord has called us to steward. Number one, or letter A, is we steward the gospel of Jesus Christ. We steward the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, now here's what that means. Every single one of us in this room has a, a, a responsibility to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a Christian, you have, you have a responsibility to, 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 to further study and, and further equip yourself in knowing and understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us are going to stand before the God of the universe, and we're going to give an account of whether we have received Jesus as Savior or we have rejected Jesus as Savior. Now, maybe you're here this morning, you know, like, I don't even know what you mean when you say the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so let me be really, really clear so we're all on the same page. I know many of you know this. Many of you believe this, right? But it's always a good reminder. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. It actually starts with God. God created us. God is holy. God is unlike us. And this goes all the way back to the very beginning of the book of the Bible of Genesis where God set Adam and Eve into this perfect paradise called the Garden of Eden and mankind rebelled against their creator and because God is holy, God had to judge sin and therefore every person after Adam and Eve has been born into sin and therefore every single one of us that ever walked the planet, what we deserve is the wrath of punishment, and penalty of this holy creator God. Now, God in his grace, because he's also a God of love and grace and mercy and kindness, didn't leave us in our sinful state, but rather he loved us enough to provide a way out from his wrath and the care, and provide us a way out from the punishment of his very own character. And he did that by taking his one and only son, his greatest gift that he could give us, Jesus Christ, he wrapped his, his son, took on flesh, his son wrapped himself in flesh, he walked this planet, he's the only person who ever walked the earth without sin, and therefore he didn't deserve the wages of sin, which the Bible says the wages of sin is what, church? It's death, right? So he's the only person that didn't deserve to die, yet Christ chose death, and it wasn't an ordinary death, it was a suffering punishment, death, and we're going to celebrate that in the Lord's Supper as we remind ourselves the cost of our freedom, not to us, but to Christ. He, he, he tore the wrath of God, and he suffered, and he chose death, and he died in our stead, and while he was dying on the cross, God poured out his hatred and his wrath on sin, and Christ bore that weight for us as believers so that we don't have to bear the wrath of God, and then they took his lifeless body, they laid it in a grave, 
And three days later, Jesus Christ, by the power of this Holy Spirit, stepped out of his grave and he rose from the dead, authenticating his claims as being the Son of God. And so when we confess that we're sinners, we repent of our sin, and we believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of us. Isn't that good news? And so we can be assured as Christ rose from the dead that we too will have the gift of eternal life. And so the word gospel means good news. Amen? Okay? And so that's what, so when we talk about stewarding the gospel, you either have to respond to the gospel. And by the way, if you're here this morning, you're not yet a Christian. That means one day you're going to stand before the God of the universe. And you're going to say, what you did in and through the work of your son Jesus Christ was unimportant to me. I was distracted. I was disinterested. I thought I would get here on my own good works. I thought I went through life without sin. Whatever it is, whatever your thinking is, you're going to give an account of rejecting the gospel. Or if you've received the gospel, you're going to celebrate. And here's how we steward the gospel as believers. And you're going to talk about this tonight, I think, in, in, in our nine mark study, right? We have responsibility to steward the gospel by telling others, evangelism, okay? Man, and making disciples. I see a lot of kids in here, a lot of young parents. Like, your job as a parent is to present the gospel, raise your children or maybe your grandchildren in the ways of the Lord, Stewarding the gospel means that I'm presenting the gospel to others. So we're either responding and, as believers, we're presenting, we're stewarding the gospel. And so our time here on earth is to steward the gospel. Number two, or letter B, we're to steward our time. We're to steward our time. And uh, every single one of us has a calendar in front of us this week, right? And and every moment of your calendar is a gift from the Lord. Part of your calendar should be used to Sabbath, rest, gather corporately for worship on the Lord's Day. Part of your calendar is to to be used to be a part of your local church and find a place to serve. Part of your calendar is to be used to be in a small group where we're in community with others. Part of your calendar is to be used to, to... to go to work and make a living for your family. Part of your calendar is to be used, if you're married, to, to get to know and serve and, and love your spouse. Part of your calendar is to, is to be used to raise your children in the Lord. But we, we're to steward our calendar. Number three, we're to steward our talents, our abilities, that, that, or let her see, that steward our abilities that the Lord has given us, our talents that we have. We're to use our talents to serve the Lord. We're to use our talents to make a living. We're, we're to be involved in our local church, and we're to use our talents. Uh, as you guys know, we're in the middle of this one mission campaign. I'm going to highlight it at the end, but part of what we're doing is is we're pulling our resources as a local church to help our Gloucester campus have a better tool, a church building, a better tool to do ministry. So the gospel will go forward effectively in Gloucester, okay? One of the really neat things when we've done building campaigns at Coastal is is to watch the level of talent of people that step up and, and help us do that. We, one of our church members is an engineer, and he volunteers his engineering ability to help us engineer these buildings. And, and he, through the years, he's probably saved Coastal Community Church six figures 
uh, to, to volunteer that, and, and, and lawyers and, and, and builders are all a part of this process going forward. I'm really, really grateful, and I could go on and on and on, whether it be music or, or technology or whatever, using our talents. Part, part, so we use our calendar and we use our talent. We're responsible to steward our talents, and, and I know there's different seasons in life that dictate, man, how much time that we can give in our local church. But we are to use our time and we're to use our talents. And finally, letter D or number four, we're to steward our treasure. We're to steward our treasure. And I put next to that two things in regards to our treasure, our tithes and our offerings. We're to steward our tithes and our offerings. I really believe that the beginning of financial stewardship uh, for a believer is a tithe. Now, the word tithe means, ready? It means tenths. It means tenths. I really think you'd, you'd, you would have to read your Bible with blinders on to not see that throughout the Scriptures, there is the responsible stewardship of a believer is to tithe and to give a tenth. Uh, a tithe here's, what a, here's what a tithe is not, Okay. Here's what a tithe is not. A tithe is not, oh man, here comes the offering plate, and let me get my wallet out. And while you're getting it out, you're praying that there's small bills in there, right? Lord, please don't, don't let there be a 20, right? Don't let there be a 20. And, and that's not really a tithe, you know, throwing a few bucks in the plate and going, well, they turned the lights on. It probably has a cost. A tithe is the idea that all that I have belongs to the Lord and I have the responsibility of stewarding a tenth of my income as the beginning of stewardship so that the gospel message can go forward. A tithe is the opportunity to say, I want to give, to the, give back what God has called me to steward to be a part of the gospel going forward through our local church. And so for some of you this morning, the beginning of a responsible stewardship is a tithe. I, uh, I want you to look at Ma- uh, Malachi chapter 3. Um, I love this. I actually really love this passage of Scripture. It encourages me. Uh, it comes with a promise. And, uh, and so Malachi chapter 3 says this. I love how it starts. It starts with the fact that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says this. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Then, he, then he, he reminds the people of Israel of, of his grace and his mercy. He says, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So he's saying, I don't change. You guys have wandered away. I need you to return to me. I want you to worship me. What's he talking about, right? That's the very next question. But you will say, how shall we return? How have we turned away? Verse 8, here's your answer. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? God says, in your tithes and, what's the next word there, guys? Contributions, right? I'm going to get to that in a minute. You're cursed with a curse for robbing me, the whole nation of you. Verse 10, 
bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby, and I love this, and this is why I love this passage, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I want to encourage you. Right? I put the Lord, this is one of the few, very few passages of Scripture in all of the Bible where the Bible says, guess what? Test me on this. Try me out on this. And God promises, man, he's going to pour down his storehouse of blessing. And, I, and listen, that doesn't, this, is not a, uh, this is not a prosperity gospel, okay? Uh, but what this is, is God does bless, God does provide, God does send. And for those of you who do actively tithe, I can guarantee if we went around this room and I said, how many of you actively tithe and however many hands went up, and you could share a story about how God provided, amen? Or there was a time where you gave and the numbers didn't add up on the math page and, and then the Lord provided, right? I know for me uh, and my family, part of the blessing of the tithe is the local church, and how we and you have helped provide for the local church. And then watching the local church invest in my family, right? There's many, many of you in this room that have invested in my children. And I've gotten to enjoy the blessing of a local church investing in my family and, and, and you know, nurturing children through the teen years where you know, their dad is a knucklehead. But there's other people in the church that are saying the same thing and, and watching my kids catch the gospel as a blessing in the community. I remember when my boys, my boys started working and uh, they got their first job and I was linked up with their bank account and, and I was just watching. I, you know, I taught them to tithe and I was watching to see what they did when they first got their first couple paychecks and I noticed they weren't tithing and I remember sitting down, especially with my oldest boy, and I just read Malachi 3. I just read it. I said, I just want you to hear this. You're working now, I want you to hear this. And I read Malachi 3 and I got done and this is what he said. He looked, I said, so what do you think? And he said, well... I haven't been doing what I need to do. And I'm like, you know, sometimes obedience to the Scripture is really that simple, isn't it? I, just, I haven't been doing what I need to do. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what, the Lord says I can test Him on this and, and I need to do this. And so, and so some of you in this room here this morning, the next step in your discipleship, in trusting the Lord as a follower of Jesus Christ, you ready, is to tithe to your local church, to give a tenth. And say, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm going to talk about in a little bit why that's really important. It's been really important in my spiritual journey. And now we're talking about, I'm going to come back to this in a little bit, but we're, we're talking about our one mission and our need in Gloucester. And, and that really is an offering, right? In Malachi chapter 3, what did God say? He said, the tithe and the contributions. There, uh, I always say that, that, that a tithe for a believer is the beginning of, of financial stewardship and offering is generosity for a believer. And so and so the vision that we're going to talk about in just a moment for Gloucester is for you to consider giving over and above your tithe for the purpose of the gospel going forward through this local church so that we can have a better gospel presence in Gloucester. And so for some of you, this is your home church. Maybe today you leave here and go, you know what, I'm going I'm to put God to the test. I'm going to steward my financial resources. I'm going, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. I'm going to come back to Gloucester, which leads to my third point this morning. So, first thing is the Lord of the gift. All that you have is a gift from the Lord. Number two, this parable reminds us we're responsible to steward 
what God has given us. We hold things loosely because we're stewarding what God has given us. Number three, this parable reminds us of the settling of accounts. Settling of accounts. Matthew chapter 25, 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came, and what did he do? He settled accounts with them. I want to challenge you, church. There, there will be a settling of accounts with your Creator. No doubt about it. This should humble us. It should give us an appropriate fear of the Lord. It should encourage us to consider the brevity of life and the length of eternity. I, uh, I've always been a little bit of an old soul. There, there's many, many nights I lay in my bed. Maybe you all do this. I'm laying in my bed. I'm starting I'm right on the edge of falling asleep. And, and this probably happens at least once a week where I'm like, I can't believe I'm 50, right? And, and where'd the time go, right? And so how many of y'all do that? Anybody else? Just me. Okay, so no, Cheryl, me and you, Cheryl, we do that. So like, man, where'd the time go? Well, that, that should be a good thing to remind us of the stewardship of our lives. Am I using all that God has given me to steward because this very brief thing called life? The Bible says life's a vapor, and we have this opportunity to steward all that God has given us, knowing that one day we're going to stand before the Master and He's going to settle accounts. Hebrews chapter 9, the author of Hebrews says it like this, and just as it is appointed once for a man to die, for a man to die once, and then after that comes what, church? Judgment, right? But there's no, by the way, you know, a little bit of Hinduism has snuck into our language, even as Christians, right? When, whenever we say, man, when I come back, right? Some of y'all come back and terrorize your spouse. Like, there's no, that's, that's a, that's, a, that's a false doctrine right, that's snuck into our thinking. And I know a lot of times we say it kiddingly as believers, but, but let's be really, really clear. There's no, like, pointed once for a man to die, and after that, we stand before God and we give an account. Verse 28, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. I love John chapter 3 where Jesus teaches, you know, I came the first time to save you from sin. The second time, he's coming in judgment, right? And we need to be prepared for that day. And, the, and this parable teaches that, the settling of accounts. Only a really, really foolish person as you age would you say, man, I, you know, I, I know that this thing is coming, this settling of accounts, this day of judgment and not preparing for that day. And I, I tell you, as we were had our moments of silence and we were confessing our sin, I was just, re- as I was confessing my sin, I was really, really grateful for the gospel of Jesus because I'm like, one day I'm going to stand before God and my only hope is Christ. A big, big piece of the gospel is when we repent and we believe in Christ, His righteousness is gifted to us by grace through faith. Isn't that great news? So that when I stand before the God of the universe, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, there was a time I helped the little old lady, I changed the tire, and I even gave money. I tithe. You know, I did what Pastor Sean said, you know. Uh, My only hope is I'm going to stand before the God of the universe and say, man, all I have is Christ and His righteousness. And I'm going to stand in your presence because you said I would stand in your presence if I repented of my sin and I believe in Christ. My only hope is that you're a God that's true to your word. Amen? 
And so the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the settling of accounts. Now, letter B, or number two under this subpoint that we see when the settling of accounts is the faithful are rewarded. If you can even imagine the goodness of God. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21 says, So his master said to him, so you got the person with the five talents, and they doubled their talents. He said, You gave me five, I've doubled the talents, here's ten talents. And the master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Can I just say something? I don't know if there are sweeter words in the New Testament. I mean, when I talk to people, what do you want to hear one day? All of us say, man, as believers, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And, the, and these, these words are reserved for the, stu- for the person who stewarded their life for the kingdom of God. They stewarded the gospel. They stewarded their time. They stewarded their talent. They stewarded their treasure. Now, to the world, the stewarding of your life for the good of the gospel is going to look really risky. Well done, good and faithful servant is not the American dream. Well done is, is taking God at his word. It's trusting the gospel. It's trusting Christ's promises to be true. Well done is going to look really, really foolish in the eyes of the world. Well done is going to look really foolish to your investment advisor. Okay? There's no investment advisor. If you're a person who tithes, you go, man, this is a great idea. It's going to look foolish to the world. When we were in Thailand, one of the things that I got to do that the whole team didn't that was just really impressed me is is uh, in Thailand, we went up near the border of Burma, and in Burma, uh, there's this horrible civil war that's been going on for a long, long time, and so there's all these refugees that leave Burma, and they come into Thailand, and they're, they're literally a people without a country, and uh, they have no citizenship, and so, uh, in fact, you, one of the things that you're doing when you give to Coastal, we make sure that we tithe on what you give, and it goes to missions, and you're actually supporting uh, a home. Uh, called the Wang Pa Home, where there's over 20 orphans that you're helping take care of with your giving here. And, and these are kids without a home country. Uh, but on one of the days, myself, Pastor Andrew, and Tutu, she, they took us out in the country. And as we're driving, the story that they told us is that these Burmese refugees come into Thailand. The Thailand farmers hire the adults to work on their farms. And then, while the kids are home, the kids are getting raped and pillaged uh, by the Thai farmers. And so we go out into the bush, and in the middle of the bush is this really impoverished pastor, and, uh, and he's taken in as many orphans as he can take in. He's just taking care of these kids because these kids end up running away because their parents aren't home, they're not protected, and they're running away. And I, I meet this pastor, and he's on a mud hut, mud area, taking care of hundreds of orphans. And um, I just thought, man, I want to be in the line with him when Christ says, well done. Like, I want to be part of the great cloud of wisdom going, man, well done, right? Well done. And, you, man, you stewarded what little you had for the glory of God. And so we, the master's going to settle accounts, and we're going to give an account of our stewardship of the gospel, of our time, of our talent, and our treasure. And it humbled me. 
see this pastor. And I think we need to be reminded that we have this short season called life. Steward. Settling of accounts, letter C, is the unfaithful. The unfaithful person, the unfaithful steward, was judged by his own words. Check this out in Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. It says, He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid, hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered and said, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I, haven't, where I gathered no seeds. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him as ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can I just say, wow. These are, these, are, these are some of the harshest words in the New Testament. We have some of the most beautiful words in the New Testament in this parable, and we have some of the harshest words in the New Testament. And, and why, why, is this, why is this servant condemned? What is he condemned for? Well, he's condemned for number one, he, he had a false understanding of the master. He assumed that the master was hard. No, nowhere does the story tell us that. Instead of assuming the best about the master, he, he assumed the worst. And, and therefore, number two, what did he do? He took, it, he took the, its talent and he buried it. So what did he do with his time? What did he do with his talent? What did he do with his treasure? You want to know what he did? He served himself. He wasn't serving the, the master's kingdom. He was serving his own little world, doing what he thought was important to him. And so out of this fear and this misunderstanding of the master, he, he does what he wants to do with his talent, and he's held accountable for it. So there's the stewarding of accounts. There's a calling into account the master will come, which leads to point number four, letter D. The parable encourages us to be heavenly-minded. We're to be heavenly-minded. One of the challenges of being an American Christian is the constant fight against the idea that I need to get through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable, right? You guys fight that? I know one of the things, I, and I said I'd come back to this, one of the things that tithing does for me is it reminds me, one, I don't depend on my money. Ultimately, I depend on the Lord, and number two, it reminds me that my complete goal in life is not to get through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable. We just sang this new song, which I love the new song Daniel introduced. It's, you know, a tithe for me reminds me that Christ is my treasure and I trust in Him alone. I don't trust in my money. And so, and so, you know, as we need to be heavenly minded that we're using our time, our talent, our treasure, we're stewarding the gospel through our local church until the, the day that either Christ returns or we go to be with him. I have to continually remind myself that my life is being poured out as an offering, as unto the Lord. Paul says that in 2 Timothy 4. I have to continually remind myself that I am supposed to go to bed tired. 
right? That I'm supposed to pack my calendar with get up and have some disciplines with the Lord. Get up early. I may need to do some physical discipline so I can be healthy. I need to go to work, and work is an act of worship as unto the Lord to provide for my family and have some money left over to give. And then I need to come home, and I need to serve my spouse and my children and disciple them. And then when all that's done, I'm to be exhausted at the end of the day, and I go to bed, and I get a good night's rest because my life has been poured out as a stewardship day in and day out as unto the Lord. Amen, church? And I have to remind myself of that. I have to continually preach this parable to my heart that my job for my 70 or 80 years, if the Lord gifts me with 80, is not to get through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable, but I am to steward every moment of every day as unto the Lord. Okay? So let me conclude with this. Let me talk a little bit about Gloucester because we're asking you to be a part of helping us reach the Gloucester community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that in Gloucester, our latest census in Gloucester, there were there 38,000 people in Gloucester, and at last count in Gloucester, there are only 29 evangelical churches. A straw poll of pastors in Gloucester suggests that only about 10% of the population of Gloucester attends church on a Sunday morning. So that means, let's just round up, 4,000 people right now are worshiping the Lord in Gloucester community. That means there's 34,000 people not yet in church attendance. So let's just imagine for a minute that this massive revival breaks out in Gloucester this week, and next Sunday, every single person in Gloucester says, you know what? I'm going to attend and worship God in an evangelical church next Sunday. So there's 29 churches up there. All of Gloucester pours into a church service. You know how many people would show up at each and every church? 1,300. All right? That means that in order to house everybody in Gloucester that would want to worship the Lord corporately, we would need a building, every church in Gloucester would need a building the size of Coastal Yorktown, and at Coastal Yorktown, you have to do three services to handle that many people. Could you imagine if at Coastal Deer Park, another thousand people showed up next week, right? I mean, yes, let me tell you something. You wouldn't be sitting in your seat, all right? Someone would already be sitting there, right? We would, be, we would be going, how do we disciple these people? How do we have multiple services? Pastor Joey would be doing five services, and I would laugh, ha-ha. <laughs> so, uh, and then I would stand in heaven and go, well done, Pastor Joey, well done. And, uh, and so we, want, we need a better tool to do ministry in Gloucester, right? Let me show you what we have. Maybe you guys haven't seen this, but this is our current building in Gloucester. Uh, we rented this building about a year and a half ago. This was a great start for us. Uh, it was inexpensive. We didn't have to use a lot of finances, financial resources to build it out. Uh, and we just wanted to see if we could get a good establishment for the gospel in Gloucester. And so right now we're running about 160 people on our weekend service up there through two services. Uh, but th- this is the building, all right? The, the garage on the end uh, actually houses our children's ministry, okay? So if you've never been up there, and so if you live in the community of Gloucester and we want to reach lost people, lost people love their kids just like you do, right? And so right now when they drop off their kids to our ministry, they're like, oh, that's great. That My kid goes to where I used to get an oil change, all right, in the garage. And so this is they, we've done a great job of renovating it. 
uh, but we, and we haven't dumped a lot of resources into it, but this is our current setup, all right? This is our current worship area. Head to the next slide. This is our current, oh, these are the kids in the back, okay? This is our current worship area. It's got low ceilings. It's a rental space. It doesn't feel permanent in the community, and really, really believe that our current setup is, is limiting for the gospel in Jesus, for Jesus to go forward, okay? So do me a favor. Everybody get out your pledge card, all right? Everybody get this out. And I'm asking you to take this home this week, and I want you to pray about this. And in two weeks, we're going to take up a one-time offering for Gloucester, okay? Here's the ask. So we talked about tithing as the beginning of stewardship. This is about offering. This is about over and above giving, okay? And so I want you to take this home. If you're married, I want you to pray about it with your spouse. Um, and, and then next week, I'm going to ask you to bring it back, and I want you to turn it in as, hey, here's our anticipation to help us further the gospel to give Gloucester a good building. And by the way, right now, we're in the middle of negotiating a contract. I, I don't want to give you any more details because negotiations can go astray. So be in prayer. We're negotiating. We're looking at a really strategic piece of land and, and, and a small building to get our start, and so we're really, really excited. And so just be praying as we go over that, okay? But here's the deal. We're asking for you to give a one-time offering of $500, and then we're asking you to make a commitment of $30 a month uh, for 18 months over and above your regular giving. That will allow Coastal Community Church to raise a little over half a million dollars, which would allow us to get into this building almost at the same cost at what they're renting for right now. So the money we're spending on that first building I showed you would be go towards our mortgage, and we would have our own building that we could pay off over time. And then over time, they would have uh, more money to do ministry, right, rather than going to buildings. The reason this grid is important is maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I don't, you know, I'm a college student. I'm a single parent. You know, I don't know what I can do. Everybody can do something. The phrase we've been using is not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. So if you, if you gave a one-time offering of $10 and $5 a month, which is, you know, that's your Spotify number, right? Uh, and, and you could raise $100 towards this. Some of you in this room can do a whole lot more than the $500. And so I want us all to be praying about, man, God, what's my part? And 18 months, $30 a month, you know, maybe you eat out every day at lunch. You go to the local fast food restaurant. I want you to be praying about and thinking about, hey, could I brown bag it two or three times a month and, and, and give what I was spending at whatever your favorite fast food place is to help Gloucester have a building. Now, uh, I want you to see this video. This is Ray and Sherry Collins. Ray worships at Gloucester, but he serves here at our ESOL class. He serves right here. It's a godly man. This is his story of stewarding the resources that God has given him. And then once we're done that, I'll close with a prayer. Check this out. Ray, Ray and Sherry. I'm Paul Otto. Uh, live in Gloucester, video. and uh, my wife and I visit. Is that the one? Is that the only one you have? Okay, it's great. We'll wait. I'm, I already went too long. We could confess sin again. <laughs> I'm excited because um, it'll be a chance to see the small, our small little church group move into a brand new big building and just watch it grow and people come and people gather together. You know, it's, we know that it's new. We know it's going to be permanent. It's going to be there for a long time. 
it'll be something that we can show the community that we are willing to make this step to help them get closer to Jesus. I think that the building that we're in now is, is people don't relate to being a church. The, the people are the church, but the resemblance, what it looks like outside makes a difference to whether somebody new might even want to step through the doors. We want to give them the gospel, the good, the good news of how Jesus can help them through their life and how they can be saved and have eternal life. We're excited about this campaign. We are able to give, everybody can't, but we are able to give and we do want to give and we're excited to give so that the church can grow. There's numerous people in Gloucester that need to be reached. We're not to make Christians out of everybody. God's got to bring them in. He'll do that job. But we, you have to get the word out there to them. And that's what we want to do. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're starting with Gloucester, and that's what we want to do. We've been using the language, um, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Maybe we should be saying it's not equal giving, but equal stewardship of the resources God has given us to steward. I want you to pray this week. How does God want you to be a part of what he's doing in Gloucester? What's your next step of discipleship? You're here this morning. You're not yet a believer. We're going to stand before the master, and he's going to call us into account. I encourage you, what have you done with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because one day when we stand before the Master, really all we have is Christ. And then I'm going to turn over to Pastor Joey. He's going to invite us to take the Lord's Supper. And as we take these elements, man, it is a visual, visual reminder. Ultimately, all we have is Christ. Amen, church? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the call to stewardship. In some ways, thank you for the brevity of life. It's not always easy. Life's not easy, God, but we have these brief moments that we get to steward our time, talent, treasure, and the gospel for the glory of God and the fame of Christ. And after that, in Christ, you call us home, and we get to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We get to enter into the celebration. We get to enter into all the blessings that, that are due Christ. We get to share in them. So we're really, really grateful. So help us to steward well the numbered days that you have given us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.